Welcome to All Places Together. Here we believe that our stories are connected to one another and rooted in God's radical love for diverse creation. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. We're at the table with Jesus. This week's story is called Glimpsed at the Table. Day hiking is one of my favorite recreational activities. I especially love going with my husband or close friends to see something new. I'm partial to waterfalls and scenic overlooks. Living in the Southwest Virginia, there are plenty of scenic overlooks and a decent number of waterfalls too. The clarity of landscape and majesty that I experience at the top of a mountain is powerful. In the past, as I have built my strength and endurance, and now as I struggle with injuries, making it to the top of the mountain is a big deal, and it brings a feeling of confidence and deep trust in my body. When I am hiking, I feel so much more connected to my body, my hiking companions, and the earth itself. Another thing I love about hiking is the meal that comes after. Now, don't get me wrong, I do love eating trail snacks. I always bring trail snacks. Like a sandwich at the top of the mountain is a beautiful thing. But loosening the hiking boots and then having a cold drink while eating hot food, sitting on a cushioned seat is just divine. The celebration of we made it, I did it, it is so stinking happy. Of course, hiking for pleasure is a newer hobby in the history of the world. While I imagine people have always experienced awe and wonder while in nature, the outdoor adventure industry certainly did not exist in biblical times. People were walking miles and miles a day, not for leisure or for exercise, but because that's how they got around. It's how they got from one point to another. Today's story is about a long walk that two disciples of Jesus went on, and the meal they shared after. Now, you may remember that in last week's episode, we talked about Jesus's last meal with his disciples before he was betrayed, arrested, and crucified. This week, we have shifted gospels from John to Luke, and we're picking up the Sunday after these events. Jesus was buried on Friday night, and now it's during the day on Sunday. You might remember that Jesus and the disciples were in Jerusalem. They had gone there to celebrate Passover together. Now Passover was over. There's been this traumatic event of Jesus, their teacher, their rabbi, their friend dying, and they're trying to figure out what comes next. So in our story today, in the Gospel of Luke, two of Jesus' disciples leave Jerusalem together, and they begin to walk to a different town a town called Emmaus. So this was a seven-mile journey. And as they're walking along, a man comes up to them. They don't know it yet, but the author tells the reader that this man is Jesus. And Jesus doesn't tell them who he is. He just asks them questions like, how are they? What's going on? And then he listens to them. He hears their grief and uncertainty about Jesus dying and being unsure of what comes next. 
And then Jesus ends up going through like the whole of Jewish faith history, like beginning with Moses and going from there. And this conversation carries them through these miles of their journey. This is what they are talking about as they are walking along together. So I'm going to read for us what happens when they get to Emmaus. This is Luke chapter 24, verses 28 to 35 from the Common English Bible. When they came to Emmaus, Jesus acted as if he was going on ahead. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us. It is nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to one another, weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures for us? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, the Lord has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. Here ends the reading. Now to modern ears, it may be a little shocking to think that these two men were inviting essentially a stranger to spend the night with them. However, this was a common practice of hospitality at the time. While there were some places to rent a room, it was significantly more common for travelers to stay with friends, family, or even strangers. It was widely understood that being outside in that climate overnight was dangerous. So allowing someone to stay with you could literally save their life. Also, people moved around enough that it was likely that someone from their family would need to stay with a stranger at some point too. So people would both stay with strangers and let strangers stay with them in sort of this reciprocal hospitality practice. So the disciples invite Jesus and stay with them. It is almost evening. And then the best thing after a long walk happens, right? Did you catch it? They're going to eat. It's time for this meal. And so when they are at the table, Jesus takes the bread and blesses it. And it's in that moment that the disciples finally recognize who he is. They've been together for probably hours, but they finally see him. Now, many biblical scholars believe that Jesus maybe said the same words that he said when they were gathered for the Last Supper. While it might be the exact phrasing, it could have been something like the words we say today when we have communion. Jesus saying, this is my body broken and given for you. This is my blood shed for you and for all people. Although, I don't know, maybe Jesus didn't say those exact same words. Maybe it was something more about how he prayed. Like, I think about the people that I've heard pray the most in my life, and I think I would recognize how they prayed, the style of prayer, the way their voice was, the type of words they put together. I don't know, like, if you listen to this podcast a lot, like, are you able to recognize my voice when I pray? Like, I don't know. And so I think that this is a possibility. And so I'm not exactly sure what it was that made the disciples 
finally recognize Jesus in this moment, but they did. Like some sort of veil had been blocking their view, and this veil has been removed, and they see Jesus clearly. Jesus was revealed to them at that table. I wonder if in those brief moments, if it felt like they were at the top of a mountain, being able to get that full big view. I wonder if a powerful clarity and majesty filled them up as they looked at the resurrected Jesus. I wonder if they felt certainty in their faith that wiped away all of the grief and doubts that they had been telling Jesus about on the road. I wonder if they felt renewed trust in Jesus, like it was all going to be okay. We aren't told what this experience is like for them because the story keeps moving so quickly. Before they are able to say anything to him, let alone eat the food that's in front of them, Jesus disappears. They only really glimpsed Jesus. A brief look, and then he was gone. Yet they are so moved and seemingly so excited that they leave right then to walk back the seven miles back to Jerusalem. They want to tell the other disciples what they have experienced as soon as possible. And like, of course, they don't have cell phones. And I guess all of their walking in daily life put them in good enough physical condition to be ready to walk seven more miles for a total of at least 14 miles that day. Like, I know the last thing I want to do after taking off my hiking boots is to put them back on. So, like, I know they are serious and motivated by their actions here. And it would tie up this story so neatly to then be able to say that they walked back those seven miles to Jerusalem, they told the disciples about their experience, and then they never doubted or worried again. It would be convenient to say that from that moment on, they had total clarity and certainty in their faith. To say these things would tie up the story neatly and be convenient, but they wouldn't be true. These two disciples make it back to Jerusalem and tell the others. But when Jesus appears to them again, the disciples cry out that Jesus must be a ghost. Like, they still don't really understand. Jesus has to go through it all again with them. Then, like, even beyond the scope of the Gospel of Luke, the uncertainty and questions continue into another book in the New Testament, the Acts of the Apostles. Acts is written by the same author as Luke, so it's kind of like part two. And Acts of the Apostles is full of the disciples and early Christians wrestling with how to live with one another and live out their faith in Jesus. It's like, lots of messes. It's like one hot mess after another. So they don't really get it in a lasting way, it seems. They still need Jesus to come to them again for the Holy Spirit to guide them. So the message for today that I hear in this story is that sometimes the journey is really long and we only get a glimpse of Jesus. It's like we end up in places in life that we didn't expect to be trying to follow Jesus or trying to do what we think is right or to do our best. And we look around in these unexpected places and think, what am I doing here? Jesus, how, how did we get here on this long journey? Where am I? 
Like, or maybe it's the other way around. We end up exactly in the place we thought we would all along. And instead of feeling contentment, we think, this actually isn't where I want to be. We wonder if the sacrifices we have made along the way were worth it. That this journey is long and we think, Jesus, where are you? I know how we got here, but like, I don't know that I want to stay here. In life, journeys like this are often marked with way more questions than they are answered. These journeys are often marked with grief and fear and doubt. And as we are in the midst of these journeys, there are sometimes only glimpses of Jesus. Maybe just one glimpse, maybe many. But in our seasons of wandering, Jesus does appear at tables, in our family and in our friends. Jesus speaks to us through powerful words that we encounter. These glimpses can give us hope, clarity, and renewed energy. And in this story of the disciples, it seemed to give them enough energy to get back with their community to figure out what happens next. And the other thing that this glimpse of Jesus at the table gave to these disciples was the realization that Jesus was there all along. And not in like the cheesy way of that footsteps poem that was so popular in the 90s and 2000s. Do you know it? The one that equates life's journey to walking on a beach. And then like in heaven, a person is reflecting to God that there are only one set of footprints during the hard times. And the person says to God, where were you? And God says, that's where I carried you. And I know that that's a meaningful poem for many, but it's not always meaningful for me. And this story from Luke says something very different. Because these disciples look back and see that Jesus was with them for practically this whole journey, these seven miles. He didn't carry them. No, he walked alongside them. So there would have been three sets of footprints. He was walking with them. He was talking with them. He was in it with them, in the mess and the pain and the grief. So this glimpse of Jesus, this moment of clarity that the disciples have, it gets them back to their community and enables them to realize how Jesus was really with them all along. That is quite the glimpse. My deep hope is that we too can have these powerful glimpses, these powerful glimpses of Jesus as we are on those long and hard journeys of our lives. Maybe we glimpse Jesus at the communion table. Maybe we see him through a friend who is walking alongside us. Maybe we see Jesus in the beauty from the top of a mountain. And maybe we experience Jesus in our hearts as we restlessly lay in bed. I wonder where you have glimpsed Jesus in your life. What did that glimpse mean to you? Do you think others have glimpsed Jesus through you before? If so, what did that mean to them, to you? A glimpse is not everything. It probably doesn't provide insight or clarity or certainty enough for a lifetime. 
but it can provide enough hope to get us through to the next glimpse. Until we can get to a place where we can see how God has been with us all along and how we might just be able to move forward together with God, who loves us wherever, whoever, and however we are. A prayer for a glimpse. Risen Jesus, you walked alongside your disciples and comforted them in their grief. You blessed bread at the table and they knew it was you. I don't think the road ahead for them was easy, but they remembered that they weren't alone. I need a glimpse of you too. I think that you are here around me, but I know I don't always see you or hear you or feel you. Open my heart to you and maybe even let it burn like the disciples. And if I can offer a glimpse of hope, love, and peace, in other words, a glimpse of you to someone around me, let me do that. I don't think that the road ahead of me is easy but help me to remember that I'm not alone. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. If you heard yourself or someone you know in these stories today, we hope you heard God too. In one week, All Places Together will be launching a new ministry to come alongside congregations who share God's radical love for all people. Mother Hen Media Ministries is an outpouring of All Places Together that will provide social media resources and support for inclusive congregations. So if you are a pastor, deacon, or a congregational leader, and you are looking for social media help, I hope you'll check out Mother Hen as a way to both share God's love for all people and creatures, and also as a way to support all places together. If you haven't signed up for our next Zoom communion, I invite you to do that this week. I'd love for you to join us on Monday, August 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll gather for a time of sharing our stories, prayer, and communion. The table is open to anyone who wants to come. We'll share communion, but if you don't want to have communion, that's okay. You are still welcome to be with us. Your seat is ready, and I can't wait to see you there. I'm ever grateful to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and supporters like you who share generously with All Places Together. Your financial contributions enable this podcast to happen and for the ministry of APT to spread. 
If you've not made a gift before and you've liked to, you can go to our website, allplacestogether.org. Scroll to the bottom where it says Give to All Places Together, click that button, and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. We know it can be hard to give financially. We celebrate all of the ways you share the stories of All Places Together with the people in your life and engage with the All Places Together community online throughout the week. Yet one of the most effective ways for the impact of All Places Together to grow is for you, my dear listeners, to tell others in your life about what the podcast means to you. If you felt like you caught a glimpse of God's love and hope through this episode, please tell someone about it and invite them to listen to. Until next time, remember that God loves you wherever, whoever, and however you are.